2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, our theme for this year is add to your faith, add to your faith, and it comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. I appreciate so much your prayers as my family traveled down to my wife's family uh, for Christmas, and uh, we left here the 23rd, and we got there Christmas Eve, and uh, we did not see a snowflake or a raindrop in 3,200 miles of driving. Praise the Lord. And, and there was no ice on the roads. There was nothing. In, in December, you would expect uh, lots of that, but we didn't have any. And there was some bad storms pushing down from Chicago across the Midwest. And uh, we, we said, well, we'll stay down south as much as we can and cross Indianapolis. Try to avoid that. And I let my daughter drive, and she took the wrong highway, and we ended up in Chicago. And so, but there wasn't a snowflake and there wasn't a raindrop. So praise the Lord for uh, his protection through all, all of that. So uh, praise the Lord. And you, and you did hear right. My daughter drove. Please pray. She got her license. Second Peter chapter 1. Our theme for this year is add to your faith. Now let me give you a disclaimer. Our theme for last year was making much of Jesus. That does not change. We are not going to stop making much of Jesus just because it's January 1st, 2020. That ought to be the heartbeat of our church all the time. You say, well, why do I bother getting up on a Sunday morning and going to church? Because we're going to make much of Jesus. Why should I get up Monday morning and go to work? Because there's an opportunity to make much of Jesus. Why should I carry a gospel track with me? Because you want to make much of Jesus. And so we're not doing away with one theme to replace another, but instead we're going to add to our faith. We're going to add to what we already have been striving, and, and we're not perfect, are we? Well, we're not perfect. Some turn their noses up and say, well, I didn't like the way we made much of Jesus. Well, you know, I understand. You make much of Jesus your way, and I'll make much of Jesus my way. And, but the Lord wants to be made much of. That's the point. He wants to be the first word upon our lips. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. And so we must make much of him. We must keep preaching and teaching Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 1, we'll look this morning, we'll find that everything that's going on in this chapter, and I'm going to give away the punchline or the conclusion a little bit here, is through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him. It's not through some secondary study you can do about the Bible. It's about learning of the Christ of the Bible. Having a personal, intimate relationship with Him. We, we can't add to our faith if we don't first have faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ. So look, if you will, at 2 Peter chapter 1 this morning. 2 Peter chapter 1, I'll move as quickly as I can. And you might suspect that I would camp on verses 5 through 7 a little bit, where it says, add to your faith, virtue, and virtue, and all these things. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time there. We're going to mention those as part of the message today, but over the next several weeks and months, we'll take some time and we'll look at each of those things individually. And what God asks us to add, and by the way, I don't believe that's a conclusive, I don't believe that's all-encompassing. There's so much more in the Bible that God wants us to add to our faith, and we'll try to look at many of those things throughout this year. But not only will we look at those things, we'll give you opportunity. There'll be opportunities. You'll find that in your bulletin this morning, a, a kind of a new layout, a new design, that if you see that little plus sign anywhere in the bulletin, that's an opportunity for you to go and to add to your faith. 
Well, I just did a sample this week. I, I didn't put it all through the bulletin like we might do in the future. But you'll notice that on Wednesday night, Brother Colton Visser will be preaching. That's an opportunity to add to your faith. To come and hear from a young man preach from the Word of God. Anytime the Word of God is preached or opened or read, it, it can be a help to us. You say, well, I don't like your preaching. That's fine. It's not about me. I might just happen to read a scripture that helps you. And that has nothing to do with my preaching. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. And so take advantage of those opportunities. There might be some classes offered. We're working on some classes this year that we'd like to offer and some different things going on in your Sunday school classes. And, and you'll see the coming soon panel in your bulletin. There's going to be a Sunday school teachers meeting on the 19th and we'll be sharing some vision for our Sunday school classes. And in that panel, you'll see some specific announcements about that coming on the 26th of January. Keep your eye on that. There'll be opportunities to add to your faith. Understand this, 2 Peter 3.18 says, but we are to grow in grace. Grow in grace. That's all we're trying to do. The Bible says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. And so it is the job of the pastor, the Sunday school teachers, and whoever's involved in those types of teaching ministries to teach, and it is our job to learn and grow from the Word of God. And that's all we're trying to accomplish. It's a very simple thing. The church is very simple. You know that? Really, church is very simple. Just love God, know Him as your Savior, and grow in grace. He said, well, what about service? Let me tell you this. You get a heart for God, service will come. You'll get a desire to serve Him. If you understand his love and his sacrifice for you, we, we won't ever have to say, well, we need workers for the nursery tonight because somebody run back there. Oh, man, our hearts will be overflowing. So what can I do to serve God? If we get a vision for him. So look, if you will, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we'll move rather quickly through the scriptures this morning. Simon Peter, a servant. Boy, underline that in your Bible. A servant. That'd be, that'd be a good study, wouldn't it? Pastor Axler, I'm giving you that job right now. You, sometimes I'll, I'll say something from the pulpit, and Pastor Axler, I'll get an email that afternoon. He'll say, hey, I looked up that word for you. you were, and he, he gives me, I mean, it's really interesting stuff. The word servant. See how many times that's in the Bible? And, and report back, all right? <laughs> he would have done it if I hadn't asked anyway. Simon Peter, a servant. Boy, what a What a title. He doesn't say Simon Peter, an apostle. Simon and Peter, the one that toted around the country with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years, follow my feet and give me respect. He said, I'm a servant. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." I'm not going to preach on this, but notice those last two words of that verse, through lust. There is corruption in the world, but it won't bother you if you don't lust after it. 
The world has always been out there. It's always been corrupt. And somebody said, well, no, things are getting worse. Things are getting bad. But ever since the fall of man, I, I mean, think about this. Things got so bad that God had destroyed the world with a flood. It was bad. The world has always been a wicked place. But we don't have to worry about the corruption of the world if we don't lust after it. He says the destruction or the corruption of the world comes to us by lust. It's when we desire, uh, let me put it this way, it's okay if your boat's in the water, but when water gets in the boat, then you're in trouble. Did you catch that? We are in the world, but we are not of the world. The world shouldn't be in us or in our church. So be careful. Verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we do love you and thank you and praise you today for all that you have done for us. And Father, it's pretty plain that we love you because you first loved us. Because you expressed your love to us, you showed us what love really is by sending your Son. Lord, we can never thank you enough. We can never praise you enough. And so Lord, whatever our feeble offerings were today, we pray, Lord, that you'd accept them. And Father, now turn our hearts towards your word. Help us, Lord, to take serious the task ahead of us of adding to our faith. This is not a new concept. It's been in the Bible for 2,000 years. It's not some new idea I've come up with. It's just something you've burned my heart about. And Lord, I, more than anything, it puts a greater responsibility upon our staff and our teachers and our workers to make sure that we are feeding and ministering to the flock of God. Lord, that we might take these things and add them to our lives that are found in your word. So may we start today. Lord, I need your spirit's help, and I pray that you'd bless your word, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, look back in verse 1 with me. I want you to notice, as we camp in verse 1 for just a few moments, how important it is to have a foundation. How important it is to have a foundation. You know, we went to Africa several years ago, and we noticed that whenever there was a flood or some other sort of weather-related event, and we went one time, or one time I was there, my wife wasn't with me that time, but while we were there, they had what they called the mango rains. You said, what are the mango rains? Well, the mango rains is what the Africans call them in West Africa. We were about four degrees north of the equator, and they would have this hot, dry season, but it was covered by what they called the harmaton. Now, at the time, I was living in Hamilton, and I thought they were saying Hamilton. They said the Hamilton. I said, the Hamilton? What is it? And Brother Arnold said, no, no, it's the Harmaton. The Harmaton is the dust from the Sahara. 
and it blows south and it's so dry it'll cover and you get you know those kind of that classic look you know those pictures you see of Africa and they've got kind of that dusty cloud all the time well that's what the harmaton is and they said the harmaton the people really appreciate that dusty cloud because it shields them from the sun they said you think this is hot 104 105 degrees wait till the mango rains come and settle all that dust down because when that happens then the sun shines and then it's hot and humid for a couple days while that water dries up and so the mango rains in fact did come and the africans called them the mango rains because they believed that the rains were sent by god to water the mango trees because shortly after that the mangoes start to blossom and then they sprout fruit and they may not get another rain until the end of august and these are rains that come in early march so think about that this rain comes through, but is it, I mean, uh, what we would call a gully washer. I mean, it is, is a torrential rainstorm. You cannot, you cannot see your hand in front of your face if you're outside. The rain is just so thick and pouring, and the roads begin to flood. They have open sewers there. I mean, literally, the sewers, you step over the sewer to get to the street. And they're just, they're overflowing and all the garbage that has been piling up in there flows out in the streets. And what we get to see is that a lot of people that their homes begin to wash away in a road. The dirt underneath is just a dirt floor. And so people will literally have big holes in the middle of their home with almost a pool that forms in the, inside. They'll have their four stone walls and they'll have their tin roof with rocks on top to hold it in place but then they'll have this almost like a pool in the middle of their house. And the next couple days, I saw people out, and they would carry buckets of water out the front door, and they'd throw them out. And they'd throw them out, and they'd throw them out. And this went on, and I finally said to somebody, and they explained to me that whole thing that happened, that it washed away all their... And then the, after they got the water out, they'd carry buckets of sand back in and fill the hole back in, and they'd do that every single year. They didn't have the idea that maybe I should put some stone down. Maybe if I had a proper foundation, it would help in making sure that what I have built upon it would stand and last and weather throughout the storms. And you know, the Bible says that we are to have a good foundation. In verse 1, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, listen to this, to them that have obtained like precious faith. To them, I'm going to say it again, that have obtained like precious faith. Listen, he doesn't say to those that have faith. He's saying those who have obtained faith. He said, what is the difference? The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. This is not speaking about, the Bible says, listen, faith, having faith is important. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews 11, verse 3. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. There had to come a day where you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ and trusted in the finished work of Calvary to save our souls from our own sin. There had to come a day where you had that kind of faith. But this is not talking about that. What it is talking is about those who have already put their faith in Christ. They have obtained like precious faith. They are in the faith. It is a place where they can stand. It is a place where they reside. If you will, it is the very foundation of their life. 
They no longer walk around saying, well, I'm trying to have faith in God. They say, I have faith. I am undergirded by the faith. Jesus Christ is my solid rock, and I am firmly planted upon him. So that's the kind of faith this Bible is talking about in verse 1. And notice this, if you will. This is the very bedrock, the foundation, the starting point of your life. Now listen. In verse 5, we see that phrase, add to your faith. One plus one is what? Two. See if you can follow along. Two plus two is? Three plus three is? Brother Lipsky's good at math. The rest of you are struggling here. You have to have two things to add them together, right? So in order to add to our faith, what must we first have? You must be in the faith. There has to be a foundation. There has to be a, a bedrock. There, there has to be something to build upon. It is my prayer that everyone will take a spiritual step this year. It is my prayer, and what I've been praying for with our theme this year, is that everybody will grow in some way. But listen to me right now. Everybody look up here. You cannot add if you're not first saved. If you don't know Christ... You've got nowhere to go. You're going to be like those people in Africa. Every single year, you're going to be bailing out the basement and filling it back in with sand. But listen, sand is shifting. You need Jesus Christ. The apostle already has told us, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. He is our rock. He is our foundation. And so you must have Jesus Christ. Notice what it says in verse 1. Uh, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Now listen, through what? The righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus. You can only be saved one way. Through the righteousness of God. You say, well, why can't I work my way to heaven? Because that's the righteousness of you. Why can't I belong to a religion and go to heaven? Because that's your own righteousness. Why can't I just be, do good works and give to a charity? Because that is your own futile attempts at having righteousness. But the Bible says all of our righteousness is but filthy rags. You must know the righteousness of God and of Jesus Christ. That is the baseline. That is the foundation. Friend, I'm pleading with you today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, don't do anything else until you get that settled. Don't mess around with it. Maybe some of you were piqued in your curiosity a little bit and said, you know, this will be good. I, I'd like to add to our faith. Pastor talked about maybe having a couple classes throughout the year, and, and boy, that, that'd be interesting. I'd like to do a Bible study and something. Maybe that'll help me along. Maybe we'll do some discipleship this year. Friend, hey, hey, get this. The foundation has to be sure. Here's what's gonna happen. If you go through this year and you take advantage of all the things that we're going to try to help you with and try to employ in the church and, and, and Bible studies and discipleship programs and all those things, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a head that's right full of God but an empty heart. What you need is Jesus Christ. You need the foundation first. 
You need to know him as your Savior. The, the Bible says it is through the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 10 and 11 as we make a comparison here. It says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence, diligence to make your calling and election serve. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. What the apostle Peter is saying to us is, listen, don't worry about adding all these things just yet. Make your calling and election sure. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. You know, I've, I've observed and I try to watch other churches. We were in uh, Bethany Baptist Church last Sunday. Bethany Baptist Church is a really good church in Lubbock, Texas. And when I'm there, I'm always trying to learn stuff. I, grab, I usually grab their bulletin, take it home with me, read their activities, read what they're doing in their preaching series and different things. And I'll, I'll sometimes wander a church building. I'll look at bulletin boards. Just whatever inspires me, I'll take pictures of it. Uh, I, I just like doing that. There, there's been times where I've, I, I was in Lubbock and I just stopped in a church. I saw it and I, oh, look, I saw the sign. It said Independent Baptist Church. I went in and talked to the pastor a little bit and took some pictures and things and just getting ideas. It helped me. And it's, it's good to get out of our comfort zone and learn those things. But one of the things that I, I noticed that is pretty consistent Everywhere I go. So we must preach Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter where we go, it circles around to Jesus Christ. Every message that I hear, uh, there'll be some that I go, wow, I, I, I never heard that passage before. And boy, I've learned something here. But it always comes back to Jesus Christ. And listen, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of that is making much of Jesus and planting that firm foundation that we need Jesus Christ. And, and he says here in verse 10, rather give diligence, make your calling to sure. Don't worry about all this other stuff till you get this right. You know the criminal on the cross got saved? You know who I'm talking about? The fellow that looked at the Lord Jesus Christ said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Do you know he never took a discipleship class? He never went to Sunday school. Never got to a church service. Not one. He never got to hear the greats like Paul and Peter preach. He never heard Jesus on the hillside give the Beatitudes. He got the most important thing settled. The salvation of his soul. There was no time for all this other stuff. And I've been in churches where sometimes I'll hear them say, well, you know, you're welcome to come and be a part of our church if you'll take this 13-week discipleship course and you'll do this and you'll do that. No, no, there's one thing. The Bible says they were saved they were baptized and they were added unto them. The one important thing that matters is, are you a child of God? Can I, can I ask you to do me a favor? If you're not 100% sure you're saved right now, would you, would you tune me out for the next 20 minutes? Bow your head and seek out your own heart before God. Because what I'm about to say is not going to matter unless you're saved. Could, could, you, could you do what 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says? Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Would you just take some time and bear your heart before God and, and ask God, God, would you, would you bear witness with my spirit? Would you let me know that I'm your child? And if I'm not, would you please tell me that too? That I might repent of my sin. I might get my heart right with God right now. 
Because this is the very foundation where we start. We can't add anything if you've got nothing to add it to. You can't build if there's no foundation. I want you to notice another thing. Look, look down at the next couple verses, verse 2. I'm going to have to skip a bunch of things here, but I want you to get this. Oh, friend, don't leave here without knowing Christ. Notice the benefits of this relationship in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. Notice you're asked in verse 5 to add some things, but God says, I'm going to multiply some things. Now, you did pretty good with the, the 2 plus 2 is 4, and the well, no, no, you really didn't actually. Brother Lipsky did very well with it. But what if I did the multiplication tables? Anybody doing the 9 times table? 9, 18, 27, 36, 45, 54, 63. Can you do that? But what if we get to a big number? Do the 17 times table. 17, 34, 51, 68. You know, we get bogged down pretty quick, don't we? God says, I'm not just adding 2 plus 2 here. I'm going to multiply grace and peace. Hey, there's a benefit to walking with God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just telling you, say, listen, uh, I, I, I appreciate when somebody says, well, I praise God, there's that, that kind of a, a southern song, I'm not going to hell. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not going to hell. But that's not what salvation is. That's not the only thing salvation's about. God is going to multiply grace and peace to me. Several months ago, I sat down with Mike and Amy Sloat before they got married. And I, I was just thinking about Mike. You know, Mike's grandpa's probably going to go to heaven today. And I sat down with Mike and I said, Mike, I just want to know something. I said, when did you get saved and how did you get saved? And he gave me this little sweet testimony of the day he trusted Christ. And because of that, at his grandpa's bedside today, grace and peace is getting multiplied. You can't explain it. In those moments, you don't understand, how, how is it I'm not falling apart? How is it I'm not going to pieces? Because grace and peace is multiplied. That's the benefit of having a relationship with God. Now, look at, look at the verse uh, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according, now listen, as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You know, sometimes you hear somebody say, well, I just, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to live a godly life. God's given you all things that pertain unto it. You lack nothing. Everything you need to live for God, He's given to you. He's given you the Word of God. He's given you a church. He's given you Sunday school teachers that love you. He's given anything you need, anything you can imagine, God has given it to us. All things that pertain unto life and God. And so every need is supplied. Look at uh, the verse 4. Whereby, or through this, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You know, the promises of God help convert us. You say, what do you mean convert? I, I got converted the day I got saved. Do you know, the Bible says Peter was saved and Jesus said there's still, still some things you need to be converted of. I'm not talking about the salvation of your soul, but I'm talking about some sanctification issues. 
some things that we need to change in our lives and things that maybe we didn't even, we were aware that were wrong or sinful or were leading us in the wrong direction. And we need, there's some change. And so God says this, through my great and precious promises, you can be partakers of the divine nature. You'll be changed. New creatures in Christ. How many of you know that when you got saved, there were still some things that needed to be cleaned up a little bit? And you, you, you look back 30, 40, 50 years and go, oh man, why, why was I doing that? I was a Christian. I wasn't walking right. Yes, you got saved and your life changed immediately. But we had some growing to do. And God says, grow in grace. Now look at this. How do we receive all these benefits, grace and peace, and all of our needs supplied and the promises of God? Look what he says two different times. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Listen through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. Verse 3, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. That word knowledge means easily recognizable due to familiarity. Easily recognizable due to familiarity. On this trip, we got to do some things we never expected we'd get to do. We were driving the first day, we drove to Missouri. It's a long way to go. Uh, we, we did about 900 miles, and we got to a place called St. Robert, Missouri. St. Robert, Missouri. There's a, a fort there called Fort Leonard Wood. And uh, I, I looked at the map, and I said, okay, that says it's about 14 hours driving. I said, that'll be enough. I don't want to go any further than that the first day. And so I booked a motel room there, and we got there about 2.30 in the afternoon. It was still daylight. We'd left at 3.30 in the morning, and, and I said, that, didn't take, that only took us about 12 hours with the time we, we gained an hour. I said, it's still daylight. I'm not tired. Are you tired? No, we're not tired. So we called and we canceled the room and we booked another room in Springfield, Missouri and we went another couple hours and we got to Springfield about 4.30. And so because of that, we were able to have some supper with the kids and the girls were, were done. They were tired from sleeping all day in the van. So we let them stay at the motel room. Austin had a friend that he went to college with in Springfield. He went over to his house and stayed at his house for the night, and they had a good time together. And then we, uh, my wife and I went over to Pastor Tolbert in Shirley's house, our old pastor, and we spent a nice evening with them. And then the next day, we, we got as far, we drove about two hours and got to Claremore, Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa, and we ran into a, an old friend of ours. We, we met him for lunch. His name is Bodie. He's a Cherokee Indian. And the name Bodie in Cherokee means lazy buffalo. I'm not lying. That's his native name. And uh, his name is Kenneth Wolf. And, uh, but they call, everybody calls him Bodie. That's his native name. And so we met him and his wife. They're 49 years old and could never have children until four years ago got surprised with twin boys. And so here's 49 years old with these little four-year-olds, cutest little guys. They call them their Twindians because they're native Indian. And so, uh, so we got to have lunch with them, and we have seen them three times since we got married. Once after we got married, to the first two years we drove to Texas, he was still in Springfield. She was finishing up her college degree at, at, at SMSU, Southern Missouri State University. So we stopped and had supper with them two weeks after they got married. Then about four years ago, we went to the Norris' home in Phoenix, Arizona area, and they were living in Phoenix at the time. And then this time now, we saw them for the third time in 25 years. 
Then we, on the way back, we stopped and saw a friend of mine that was in our wedding, Russ. Bodie was also in our wedding, and we stopped and saw Russ in St. Louis, Missouri, and had lunch with him. And we have seen Russ and Maria several times over the years because they live right in St. Louis. And so every time we go through, we try to have lunch or supper with them. But another couple that has lived in Dallas, Texas for about 25 years, and the lady was in our wedding, uh, stood up with my wife. They had just moved in August about 45 minutes away from Lubbock, Texas, in Plainview, Texas. So we arranged for them to meet us after church Sunday night, and we went out to supper together. And so we went in, and, and Glenn has not changed a bit. Glenn and Carrie Salyers, Glenn had not changed a bit. Glenn, Glenn looked exactly the same as I remember him, except he has a beard like this, like Brother Ferrier. He's got... He's a man, right? Amen. And uh, so he's got this big beard. and That's the only thing different about him. He looks exactly the same. He looked at me and he went, whoa. <laughs> now, I have not seen Glenn and Carrie since our wedding. 25 and a half years. And Glenn looked at me and goes, whoa. Where did all the hair go? I said, I was afraid you wouldn't recognize me. He says, well, you're still ugly. <laughs> but we change, don't we? Here's, here's, here's something. That word knowledge means to recognize instantly because of a familiarity. Now listen, some of you might remember, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name of the magazine. I've read this story. It's either Time Magazine or National Geographic. If I describe this picture, you probably will all remember it. There was a young lady from Pakistan. She had piercing eyes. Do you remember the picture I'm talking about? Beautiful complexion, young lady. She was 16 years old. Her eyes were just, just piercing. If you looked at this picture, they're almost like they're looking back at you. How many of you kind of picture the picture I'm talking about? It's a famous photo. The fellow that took the picture won a big award for it and all the rest and went on the front of this magazine. She was 16 years old. 30 years later, he decided he wanted to find her. He had just found her in some little village in Pakistan during a war that was going on with India. And he just took this picture. He thought she was such a, a beautiful girl. And, and he was doing a special on, on, on the war. Things were going on. And, the, and he wanted to feature the people that were being affected by this war. So he took a picture of this beautiful young lady, 16 years old. And 30 years later, he thought, I wonder how she's doing. So he and a team of people went back to that village in Pakistan. And they began to go door to door. And they had that magazine cover. And they said, do you know this young lady? No, we don't know her. And of course, they probably never saw the original publication. People had been scattered by war. And they went village, door to door in the village. Do you know this? Do you know this lady? Do you know this lady? And finally, the very man who took the picture, the photographer, knocked on a door. And this lady, 46 years old, opens the door. And he says, I found her. Her face had been weathered from 30 years of living in the desert, the hot climate. She had had several, several children. Life had been hard and war had been taking place and even her neighbors did not recognize her from the picture. Not one. They had showed it to doors, 
right next to them in different homes and different huts and different places. Do you know this lady? No, we don't know her. Some were her friends and some were her neighbors, yet they did not recognize her. But the photographer knew her. So they took a few more pictures and they talked to her and on the way back to their motel that night, some said, how did you, we would have never, how did you recognize her? He said, I'll never forget those eyes. He says, I studied her so I could just get the right angle, get the right lighting. He said, I wanted it to frame her humanity and he says, I, I talked to her and I spent time with her and I, I wanted to know her heart before I took the picture and I, he says, I, I, I just, I studied that face. I'll never forget those eyes. Let me ask you this. If God were to sit down beside you today, would you recognize him? You see, grace and peace and all these divine promises come through the knowledge of him. From knowing him intimately. If he speaks to your heart today, will you know his voice? My sheep hear my voice. This isn't some mystical thing, this is Bible. My sheep hear my voice. Or would you be like the countless others that said, boy, he looks familiar, but I'm not sure I recognize him from that picture. You got a better picture? I got a better picture for you. It's, it's lying right up here on the pulpit. Greatest picture of God you could ever find. If he were to sit with you today, if he were to speak to your heart, would you know him? Here's the thing. Glenn Salyers ran into Al Fury and he went, whoa, where'd all the hair go? You know what my Bible says? I am the Lord, I change not. The God that saved you looks just the same today. He's not changing his voice or disguising it any way. His Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your soul that he is God. Would you recognize him? Sometimes we criticize him away because we judge him by his children. Listen, the scripture in nowhere does it say that we will know his divine promises by getting real close with somebody else, but it's by having a knowledge of him, having a relationship with him. So we see the benefits of knowing God. But let me show you this and we'll be done. But now he says, I want you to grow. Once you have that foundation, I want you to experience the benefits of a divine knowledge of having a relationship with Christ. Can I, here's here's what I believe and here's what I've observed. That's where most Christians stop. They get saved and they have a, a relationship with Christ to a certain extent. But there's more verses in this chapter and he says, now I want you to do something else. I want you to add. I want you to grow. 
He says it's one thing to be in the faith and it's one thing to have faith and it's one thing to have a knowledge of God and to know his divine promises and to know, uh, to be a partaker of the divine nature and to know grace and peace multiplied. Boy, it's a wonderful thing to walk with Jesus, but I want you to add now. I want you to grow. Notice what he says, add to your faith. Verse, uh, give all diligence, add to your faith. Virtue, to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge. Temperance, into temperance. Patience, into patience. Godliness, and to godliness. Brotherly kindness, into brotherly kindness. Charity. Now, I told you I'm not going to preach on those things. Suffice to say this. God has a desire that you grow. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace. But grow in grace. Here's some things that we need to understand. Number one, in verse eight, look at verse eight. For if these things be in you, verse eight, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two things and we're done. Listen. I always thought barren and unfruitful were the same thing. You know? Brother, uh, Brother Vogel has all those trees out there. And he might say, well, those trees over there are barren. They don't bear fruit. Or he might say those trees are unfruitful. They don't bear fruit. We see in the Bible that there's times where a woman is barren. And you might also say she's unfruitful. She cannot have a child. To me, they're synonyms. They mean much the same, but since God put two in the same verse, they must mean something different. So let me show you what the Bible says. I looked up those words. The first word barren means this. It means idle, sitting still, doing nothing. Now, what does that come on the heels of? Add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, long-suffering, patience, all those things. For if these things be in you, you won't be idle. You won't be barren. You won't be sitting around doing nothing for God. Because a growing Christian is a serving Christian. Amen? A growing Christian is a serving Christian. Sometimes we sit in church and we wonder, how come all these new Christians are the ones that are doing so much for God? How come they're, just, they're always bringing in visitors? Because they're growing. They're growing. Oh, I was thrilled to hear something last week. I heard that Melissa brought a friend to church and she got saved. Since Melissa got saved, she brought Sue and Sue got saved and baptized. She brought Tiffany, and Tiffany got saved and baptized. Well, how dare she? She's a new Christian. She's growing. That's how. Growing Christians are serving Christians. You know why we don't like it? Because we get under conviction when that happens. Oh, boy, I ought to be doing that too. But if you are growing and adding to your faith, you say, why is it so important that I grow? Pastor, why do you want us to add to our faith this year? Because growing Christians are serving Christians. We want to reach more people for Christ. We want to see more people saved. 
And if you're going to sit idle and be barren, there will be nothing come of your life. Now look at that next word, unfruitful. Let me go back to Brother Vogel's trees. If we were to get in the car right now and drive up the Cockshut Road and go buy some of those orchards, and you were to say to me, now what kind of trees are those? I'd have to say, I don't know. Brother Vogel could tell you. If, if you were to point to the other side of the road and say, what are those? I don't know. But I can tell you in August. You know why? Because there's fruit on them. I can tell by the pears. I can tell by the apples. I can tell by the cherries what kind of tree they are. You know, apples don't grow in pear trees. This is, I mean, I can grasp this. This is simple. The Bible says something similar. It says, by their fruits, you shall know them. That word unfruitful, the word fruitful is talking about your testimony. All right? There are those who labor unrewarded. There are those who go out and they do the work of God and nobody knows anything about them. But the word fruitful here is talking about the fruit a Christian produces that shows the world we have a knowledge of God. Let me put it this way. By their fruits, you shall know them. The Bible says that Peter and John stood before the council and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, but they knew this. They'd been with Jesus. Why? Because their lives were fruitful. They didn't like the fruit it was producing. They, they wanted to beat them and tell them not to speak in the name of Christ anymore. But the fruit that shone forth said, we don't know anything about these guys, but this we do know. They've been with Christ. May that be said about our lives. I don't want to be barren. I don't want to be idle. And I don't want to be unfruitful. I want people to know Jesus lives in me. That's why we add. That's why we're commanded to grow. That we might be testimonies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 9 and we're done. But he that lacketh these things is blind. I cannot see afar off. That's a little picture person. They don't see the big picture. They see their problems right in the here and now. But they don't see that God is working all things together for good. They, they see the, the trial that is in their life and how it is affecting them right now, but they don't understand that, that God is pruning and God is honing them. And making them more into his image. And so they, they're blind and they can't see afar off. They, they don't know that God is still in control. The end of from the beginning. Verse 9. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Years ago, I dealt with a fellow that... He got in trouble with another woman. I'm not trying to make light of his sin by using those words. I'm trying to be delicate because there's sometimes children here. But he was messing around. And he came and he sat in my office one day and we were talking and praying and he said this. He says, I don't even know if I'm saved. I mean, the guy had preached. No, no don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about that as evidence of salvation. But there was a lot of fruit in his life. 
I, I remember hearing his testimony. I remember his children coming to know Christ and he baptized them. I, I remember hearing him preach. I heard him teach Sunday school classes and I, I heard him at men's breakfast encourage the brethren to walk with God and it just, it just seemed like there was a genuine salvation in his life for all those years. But as soon as we start failing and sinning, you know what the devil does? He starts attacking. And that's exactly what the scripture says. When we stop growing and we stop adding to our faith and we stop reading our Bibles and we stop going to church and we stop learning new things about God and getting, he said, if there are new things, oh, good night. His mercies are new every day. I get so mad when one of these college kids gets up here and preaches something. I go, why did I see that? Boy, it gets me mad because I can't preach it now. And I, that's going to happen Wednesday night, I guarantee it. Why did he say that? Now I can't preach that. It just, it, but it just shows me there's something new in the Bible every time you read it. Stuff leaps off the pages. But if you fail to do it, you're going to become blind. And you're going to forget that you were purged from your old sins. Boy, it's so quick to fall back into the world. The Bible says, take heed lest ye fall. He's talking to every one of us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Let's stand to our feet. The altar's open even now. Could I encourage you to do this, whether it's in your chair or at this altar? Would you pray that each one of us could take a step? Some of us could jump leaps and bounds, and some might take a baby step. But could you imagine if everybody in this room took a little step forward this year spiritually? What could, what could happen for Christ? What could happen? But keep in mind, it all comes back to the, to the knowledge of him, having that intimate relationship with him. So he can just speak and you hear it. He can press something on your heart and you'll obey it. He can show you something from your word and you'll just soak it up. But you have to have that relationship with him. Let me ask you today, maybe there's somebody here that tuned me out like I asked you to. So, said, Pastor, I've been struggling right from the beginning about my salvation and I've been, I've been praying and I, I've asked God, do I truly know Christ? Am I truly saved? And for some of you, maybe you got peace through that. Maybe the Holy Spirit bore witness with your heart and reminded you of some scriptures and reminded you of the time you trusted Christ and you just realized, you know, I'm maybe not where I should be and I, I need to take this step of growth, but praise God, I'm saved. But maybe somebody else said, you know what? It revealed something to me today. I don't know Jesus like I thought I did. I believe he's a historical person. I, I believe he lived and died on the cross. History books can tell me that. But I've not entered into the faith. I'm not in the faith. It's not the foundation of my life. It's not the bedrock upon which I stand. I, I need to know Jesus personally as my Savior today. Could I pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I promise you. I'm not going to call you out. Would you slip up your hand, Pastor? I've... I need to be saved. Hey, don't, don't get, don't, don't miss the ch chance. Don't leave here today without knowing Christ. Is there one? Is there one?
The instruments can begin to play. If God has spoke to your heart, you come.